welcome. Welcome to another edition, uh, episode of Appalachian Shine. It's the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. Uh, I'm JC, your regular host. Hey, thanks again, everybody, for stopping by. And thanks again. Uh, we're getting close to 30 episodes of our podcast. So thanks to all of you that have tuned in and kind of stuck with this. Um, I wanted to, uh, today's episode is going to be relatively short. Wanted to talk a little bit about a, a previous episode that we had, uh, Dr. Uh, Benko and I, we talked a little bit about Appalachian stereotypes and how to combat those stereotypes and kind of where they came from and the history of those, those stereotypes to um, movies mostly and television, but it's also been in literature for the longest time. And then following up with that, I did a Facebook Live. Uh, hopefully some of you have seen it. If you haven't, jump on our Facebook and scroll down. Uh, it's probably about a week, week and a half ago. And I was standing outside of uh, Fort Whitten, or also, people also know as Crab Orchard Museum in Tazewell County. And, uh, you know, it was, I was talking a little bit about why it's important to promote our history and a project that we wanted to do to uh, protect and promote our history. And, and a lot of it ties in with the stereotypes. As you know, the, one of the missions of our foundation is about putting our best foot forward, shining a light on the best of Appalachia, the brightest of Appalachia, the uh, opera, just a wild number of opportunities that exist here, not just the, just the magnificent nature, but the culture that's here, the rich culture and family traditions, the uh, economic opportunities that, believe it or not, they're out there. Um, we just need to foster those. I uh, had a really interesting discussion with somebody a while back um, with, a, through a cha- with a chamber of commerce that uh, we talked about, you know, it is kind of a scary thing when you have to kind of forge your own trail economically, like a lot of Appalachia sometimes has to do. But I, I made it a point to say that it was really exciting at the same time. You know, the first person always through the wall gets a bloody nose, right? But there's so many opportunities out there. It's kind of like the economic Wild West for us in many parts, especially throughout central Appalachia and some of the areas that are considered by the uh, Appalachian Regional Commission as distressed, economically distressed. Uh, so, yeah, opportunities abound. Uh, it's just a matter of where we want to look and find them, how creative we want to be. And as much as people hate the phrase thinking outside of the box, that's really where we have to come from to kind of pull ourselves up from our bootstraps. And one of the things that uh, we thought was important you know, as, as a foundation and an organization here, uh, and personally, is let's share our rich history. One of the things um, that's striking is, uh, you know, as I was going around following these old road markers, historical road markers, a lot of people didn't know about Lord Dunmore's War, and that included me. And I remember, you know, vaguely remember maybe brushing over it in a history book somewhere, but not really finding out how important this part of you know Appalachia was to leading up to the foundation of our country. And I thought it would be an exciting project uh, to bring our history alive and make it fun again, and make it fun for young and old alike. Uh, let's let's encourage people to learn our local history uh, in our schools, but you know also parents can give to their kids. And we, we have a project that we want to do that and bring our local history alive, town by town and county by county. So it's going to take a long time, but we're up to the task. And uh, we started a, a GoFundMe page through our uh, with our nonprofit to do that. 
So I did post that up on Facebook. So if you get a chance, go to Facebook, click on the link to the GoFundMe, and we, we do ask that uh, that you'll support that with a small donation. Um, our goal is to have about 10000 uh, and we know we have very good supporters, and you know times are not easy, but um, you know we do ask five, ten dollars. It all adds up. Whatever you can uh, can help out with, it'll all go toward the project to help us get these uh, booklets up. Um, but I wanted to kind of go back and, and uh, talk about these literary cliches. This goes back a long time. Uh, so following the American Revolution, uh, Virginia actually compensated the soldiers with lands out west in the western part of the state. And they called them the wastelands of the western counties. Well, that's not a very flattering term. But unfortunately, that term stuck. And what uh, land the veterans didn't take was sold uh, in bulk quantities to early speculators that came in. But these were wa these wastelands, as they called them, are really rich in minerals and, and really excellent for agriculture. And you see that a lot through areas like Maiden Spring, which I think is also referred to as the Cove uh, in a lot of places. However, you know, it's very, I don't know, it's a very derogatory term to call these lands. And a lot of, uh, when those terms were thrown around, a lot of people in uh, literary culture at the time picked up on those. One of them happens to be one of my favorite writers, Edgar Allan Poe. And uh, in uh, one of his uh, earlier writings in 1844, he mentioned, and this is a quote from one of his writings, the fierce and uncouth races of men living in Western Virginia. Well, that's not very flattering either. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of other books uh, that were written. One, one was actually called The Thirteen Colonies. And that was published in 1976, I guess, to, uh, I guess, celebration for the bicentennial of the revolution. But, you know, that, that book was not very flattering to people either. Now, here was a quote from that book. Throughout the Alleghenies and the Blue Ridge, there were also mountaineers living a primitive life remote from towns, roads, and schools, uh, Reuben wrote. And this is a guy who, who wrote it, um, Louis D. Reuben. In colonial times, they had built their cabins and settled along in the ravines and branches far up in the hills, and they stuck to their old ways for all their poverty, these had the virtues at least of independence. But there were also in Tidewater and Piedmont some thousands of white Virginians whose poverty was abject and status degraded, and who lived as the riffraff, an existence both squalid and miserable. These clay eaters, who would later be known as poor whites, were at the bottom of the social stratification. And there were other terms that were used in that book that described all of us out here in southwest Virginia at that time, uh, here in central Appalachia. Slovenly was a word that was thrown around in literature. Uh, impoverished, ignorant, uh, ridiculously independent, individualistic. Um, it, it's, it, you know, it's not just movies and uh, television shows that did a great job of stereotyping all of us here in central Appalachia from the very beginning. Uh, but, you know, it's something that all of us have just, I guess, grown up and grown used to. Now, a funny thing, I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but last summer, a friend of mine uh, came up uh, from Savannah, Georgia. 
And he was shocked when he got to Bristol where he and his assistant had to stay uh, for a few days while they were visiting the area, working on a project here. And he just he, he was just mesmerized. He's like, this is central Appalachia. This is the poor Appalachia that I hear about. And we're traveling through Bristol, Abingdon, Johnson City, uh, Kingsport, uh, parts of North Carolina that he came up through. He was mesmerized. He said, this, this place is absolutely beautiful. And then even when you got out to areas in Russell County where I gave them a tour around the area, they, they were mesmerized at just the miraculous, just the beauty of this location. So when people actually come here to experience Appalachia, and that's what it is. Appalachia is an experience. It is an adventure. Um, they come to see the area in a very different light. Yeah, and if you come here with preconceived notions, yeah, I can see why people would leave um, thinking you know, the same thing if they're not open to understanding and experiencing a different culture and a different way of life and experiencing the wonders that we have here. So that's part of what our, our nonprofit, our foundation here, Foundation for Appalachian Advancement, wants to promote for not just economic development, but tourism, uh, uh promoting our history, our culture, our arts, and our artists. Uh, we, we have so much here to offer, not just here in our region, but well outside, well beyond the borders. And we should all be very proud of that. And that was one of the part of the conversation I'd had with Dr. Banco on a previous podcast. So part of the history, when I went to do the Facebook Live outside of Fort Winton, right across the street I talked about Frog Level. And hopefully you'll, you'll pick that up and you'll go see that video. But Frog Level is not a community. I mean, it's not a it's not a municipality. It's a, you know it's not really a community. It's just a, a location there. But where did Frog Level get its name? And I, f I forgot to mention that on the uh, Facebook Live. But there was a guy by the name of Jack Whitten who lived right across from that little store, who named it Frog Level because of all the frogs, like the the noise every night he had to listen from the frogs in Plum Creek that would run beside it. And, you know, that's part of our history. How many people knew where Frog Level got its name? I did talk about the, the town of, well, not even a town, but the community of Doran and where it got its name. But when I mentioned Jack Witten, some of you may get confused because I had a, an elderly gentleman bring this up to me. He's like, Jack Witten? Well, I'm not talking about the same Jack Witten he was that lived across the street from, from the uh, Frog Level. There was another Jack, uh, Dr. Jack Witten who was one of the uh, descendants of the original settlers, actually, that, that came here, he was all, he got recognition nationally as the bachelor who adopted 150 sons. They actually wrote about this guy in uh, Life Magazine and Reader's Digest. I don't think either one of those are around anymore, but I, I used to remember my grandmother collected these Reader's Digests. She loved those things. Um, but you know, he was actually a doctor that... Um, he adopted 150 sons. Uh, many of these sons he delivered himself that needed special help. Uh, they needed a place to live or you know, place to go for meals or, or a father figure for whatever reason um, or sometimes even financial support. So he got coverage nationwide. So Doc Witten, you know, he kept up his medical practice in North Taswell. Uh and during the whole time, he actually served quite a few terms in the Virginia General Assembly. So we're talking about a different Doc Witten. But that's another part of our rich history. How many people could say they knew that? 
Um, so I, I got to thinking, you know, where did a lot of our towns get their names from? And I wanted to, so we talked about Frog Level, but there was a couple others, and I, I looked this up, and give me a moment as I scroll through here. Uh, Busthead. There's a little community called Busthead. I used to pass this on my way going to church when I was a kid. My parents would drive us across the, the mountain from here in, um, we believe from Richlands and drive through Cedar Bluff and then go the back roads uh, through Aminata. And we would come out into a little area called Cambrake, West Virginia. And that's where I grew up in church. Uh, and we would always pass this place. There's a little uh, convenience store. Uh, it's called Busthead. We would always stop there so I could grab a little snack on my way to church. And um, But it's a crossroads uh, near one end of Baptist Valley Road. And it, uh, I guess the, the legend is it got its name uh, from moonshine that was made there. So they were making a legal whiskey that was so strong that people said that it was guaranteed to bust the head of any man who tried to drink it. Well, now that's some really kind of cool, interesting history. I don't know if you teach that to little kids, but uh, but nonetheless, you know, it, it, it's still there. Uh, there was another uh, area I was looking up. Um, let's see, there's areas I was looking up. Uh, Bandy was a community of Baptist Valley. Um I'm trying to find, there was one that I thought was quite really interesting. Uh, actually, there's a little place called Horsepen, too. I have to look that up. Uh, Jewel Ridge, which is near uh, Richlands. It was actually, I, I found out how it got its name. It was built by the Jewel Ridge Coal Company. And a lot of people around here would probably know that, uh, that had a history in the mines. Um, but that was a firm that was actually created... Uh, by an attorney over in Withville. Uh, and another, uh, I think a business partner of his by the name of Thomas Ryder out of Pennsylvania. He was a coal operator. Uh, so the, the company began mining up on Jewel Ridge in 1910. And it was on the side of the mountain that they uh, built the community of Jewel Ridge. Apparently, yeah, you know, I haven't been across all of Jewel Ridge. And it's sad that I grew up here and I haven't been across all of Jewel Ridge. But apparently there are places up where, where the, just the views are stunning. You can see toward Tazewell County, Russell County, Buchanan County, into McDowell County, West Virginia. Uh, initially, when the town, when they set up Jewel Ridge, over 100 homes were built by the company. They had uh, they had schools up there, churches, a post office, which is still up there, uh, a clubhouse, a YMCA, uh, a water plant, a radio station, had a, had a small hospital, a movie theater. Um, but you know, unlike a lot of mining towns, uh, word is around here that it was a mining town that had no coal dust. The breeze kept the dust at a lower elevation. So the people that lived up there didn't have a problem with any of the coal dust. But after world war two, the town began to shut down and, you know, the residents, I guess, were offered a chance to buy out their homes, but it's still a great community up there today. And I had many friends from Joel Ridge growing up and still do. But, you know, there's so many places like Maiden Spring. Uh, that's where Reese Bowen's uh, fort was up there. Uh, Reese Bowen's fort was one of the forts that was used in the revolution early um, Lord Dunmore's War. 
an amazing history behind that, that entire fort and that location and that family, actually, going from pre-Revolutionary War and, and fighting Indians and, and uh, developing agriculture to um, fighting in the Revolutionary War, fighting in the Civil War, <laughs> uh, serving terms in the uh, Confederacy and in the Virginia House of Delegates and in the U.S. Congress. Um, it, it's just it's an amazing story that so many places around here have to tell. So how did Pounding Mill get its name or Paintlet get its name? How did your town get its name? Uh, how was your county uh, uh, developed and what was, it, what was it named for? So we talked about Russell County previously on one of these podcasts, but you know, there's so much rich history and we want to make it fun. We want to make it, uh, you know, that everyone around, you know, in our area understands the history of the ground they're standing on and how important it is, not just locally, but nationally. And how vital we were in, uh, in developing you know, the history of our nation. It's a lot to be proud of. Again, that's part of us shining a light on who we are as a culture and a people and the importance we've had to our nation. So let's, uh, you know, I, I encourage you to go check out that GoFundMe site. Go to our Facebook page, and um, or if you want to go to GoFundMe and then look up Foundation for Appalachian Advancement, you'll probably find it. Uh, on there as well so thanks again everybody for tuning in to another episode of appalachian shine so glad to have you here uh make sure you visit us often on uh facebook it's facebook.com forward slash support appalachia and our website support appalachia.com or actually support appalachia.org and if you want to contact us here just uh, drop me an email jc at support appalachia.org there's any topics you want us to cover or talk about anything interesting going on in your town or county let us know Hey, thanks again and take care of everyone and we will see you down the road.